1. The Woods Hutchinson Health Series A Handbook of Health by Woods Hutchinson. A.M.M.D. Sometime Professor of Anatomy. University of Iowa. Professor of Comparative Pathology and Methods of Science Teaching. University of Buffalo. Lecturer. London Medical Graduates College and University of London. And State Health Officer of Oregon. Author of Preventable Diseases. Conquest of Consumption. Instinct and Health. Etc. Houghton Mifflin Company Boston New York Chicago Copyright. 1911. By Woods Hutchinson All Rights Reserved 10th Impression Preface Looking upon the human body from the physical point of view as the most perfect, most ingeniously economical, and most beautiful of living machines, the author has attempted to write a little handbook of practical instruction for the running of it, and seeing that, like other machines, it derives the whole of its energy from its fuel, the subject of foods their properties, uses, and methods of preparation has been gone into it with unusual care. An adequate supply of clean burning food fuel for the human engine is so absolutely fundamental both for health and for efficiency we are so literally what we have eaten that to be well fed is in very fact two-thirds of the battle of life from a physiological point of view. The whole discussion is in accord with the aim, kept in view throughout the book, of making its suggestion and advice positive instead of negative, pointing out that, in the language of the old swordsman, attack is the best defense. If we actively do those things that make for health and efficiency, and which, for the most part, are attractive and agreeable to our natural instincts and in spoiled tastes, such as exercising in the open air, eating three square meals a day of real food, getting nine or ten hours of undisturbed sleep, taking plenty of fresh air and cold water both inside and out, this will of itself carry us safely past all the forbidden side paths without the need of so much as a glance at the don't and must not with which it has been the custom to border and fence in the path of right living. On the other hand, while fully alive to the undesirability, and indeed wickedness, of putting ideas of dread and suffering into children's minds unnecessarily, yet so much of the misery in the world is due to ignorance, and could have been avoided if knowledge of the simplest character had been given at the proper time that it has been thought best to set forth the facts as to the causation and nature of the commonest diseases, and the methods by which they may be avoided. This is peculiarly necessary from the fact that most of the gravest enemies of mankind have come into existence within a comparatively recent period of the history of life, only since the beginning of civilization, in fact, so that we have as yet developed no natural instincts for their avoidance. Nor do we admit that we are adding anything to the stock of fears in the minds of children the nursemaid and the bad boys in the next alley have been ahead of us in this respect. The child mind is too often already filled with fears and superstitions of every sort, passed down from antiquity. Modern sanitarians have been accused of merely substituting one fear for another in the mind of the child bacilli instead of bogies. But, even if this be true, there are profound and practical differences between the two terrors. One is real and the other imaginary. A child cannot avoid meeting a bacillus, he will never actually make the acquaintance of a bogey. Children, like savages and ignorant adults, believe and invent and retail among themselves the most extraordinary and grotesque theories about the structure and functions of their bodies, the nature and causation of their illnesses and aches and pains. A plain and straightforward statement of the actual facts about these things not only will not shock or repel them, or make them old before their time, on the contrary, will interest them greatly, relieve their minds of many unfounded dreads, and save them from the commonest and most hurtful mistakes of humanity those that are committed through ignorance. The author, 
Contents page I running the human automobile one I I. Why we have a stomach for what keeps us alive for the digestive system 7 the journey down the food tube 9 I I I. The food fuel of the body engine 21 what kind of food should we eat? 21 the three great classes of food fuel 25 I the. The coal foods 27 proteins. Or, meats, 27 V the coal foods continued 40 starches 40 sugars 48 VI. The coal foods continued 51 animal fats 51 nuts 55 VII. Kindling and paper foods fruits and vegetables 56 VII. Cooking 62 IX. Our drink 69 filling the boiler of the body engine 69 where our drinking water comes from 72 causes and dangers of polluted water 75 methods of obtaining pure water 81 home methods of purifying water 87 x beverages alcohol and tobacco 89 alcohol 93 tobacco 103 the heart pump and its pipeline system 108 the blood vessels 108 the heart 115 xii the care of the heart pump and its pipelines 120XIII. How and why we breathe 130XIV. How to keep the lung bellows in good condition 139 The need of pure air 139 Colds, consumption, and pneumonia 152 How to conquer consumption 156 Pneumonia 165 XV. The skin 167 Our wonderful coat 167 The glands in the skin 170 The nails 172 The blood mesh of the skin 174 The nerves in the skin 177 XVI How to keep the skin healthy 179 Clothing 179 Baths and bathing 184 Care of the nails 188 Diseases and disturbances of the skin 189 XVII The plumbing and sewering of the body 196 XVII the muscles 202XIX. The stiffening rods of the body machine 210XX. Our telephone exchange and its cables 216XXI. The hygiene of bones, nerves, and muscles 228. How to get and keep a good figure 228. Our feet 230. Sleep and rest 232. Disorders of muscles and bones 233. Troubles of the nervous system 235XXII. Exercise and growth 241XXII. The lookout department 252 the nose 253 the tongue 257 the eye 259 the ear 266 our spirit levels 269 xxiv the speech organs 271 xxv the teeth the ivory keepers of the gate 277 xxvi infections and how to avoid them 286 xxvii Accidents and emergencies 314 questions and exercises 331 glossary and index 343 illustrations page to attempt to run an automobile without knowing how would be regarded as foolhardy to wear sun power is made into food for us 6 the food root in the digestive system 8 the salivary glands 10 a section of the lining surface of the stomach 14 a longitudinal section of stomach or peptic Glands 15 A cheap homemade icebox 23 A baby milk station 30 Queen Dry sunning yards at a model dairy 33 Cleanliness before milking 34 The milking hour at a model dairy 35 Milking by vacuum process 36 Washing the bottles at a model dairy 37 Bacteria in clean and in dirty milk 38 Danger from dipped milk 38 Milk inspection at the retail store 39 A thorough baking and a valuable crust 44 An ideal bakery with light air and cleanliness 45 a basement bakery a menace to the public health 46 candy like other foods should be clean 50 a small store 
cleanly and honest. 54. The joy of his own garden. Patch 61. The kitchen should be cared for. As one of the most important rooms in the house. 63. A knowledge of cooking is a valuable part of a good education. 66. Boys. As well as girls. Should know how to cook. 67. The chain cup. 71. The spouting fountain. 72. Nature's filter bed. 74. An example of good farm drainage. 76. The danger spot on the farm. 78. Typhoid epidemic in the Mohawk Hudson Valley. 80. ARDSIA and well borings. 82. A city water supply brought from the far hills. 84. A reservoir and costly dam. 86. Scraping the sediment from the bottom of the reservoir. 87. The domestic filter in use. 88. A milk station in a city park. 92. Proportion of alcohol in light wine. In beer. In whiskey. 95. A board of health examination for working papers. 105. A test of clear head and steady nerves. 106. Blood corpuscles. 109. Surface veins and deep-lying arteries of inner side of right arm and hand. 112. Diagram of artery capillaries, and vein 114 the exterior of the heart 116 diagram of valves in the veins and heart 117 the blood root t-r-o-u-g-h-t the heart 118 the school physician examining heart and lungs 121 rowing is a splendid exercise for heart and lungs 127 the great essential to a life air 131 Diagram of the air tubes and lungs 134, improving their wind, 137 the dark room, danger of the tenements 145 ventilating the pupils, as well as the classroom 146 a well-aired classroom 147 a healthful arrangement of windows and shades 148 a healthful bedroom 151 disease germs 152 a vacuum cleaner 153 exercise in the cold is a good preventive of colds 155 a year of consumption on Manhattan Island 156 consumption in Chicago 157 a report form from a health department laboratory 159 a sign that ought not to be necessary 160 a comparative death rate from contagious diseases 161 a tuberculosis tent colony in winter 163 an outdoor classroom for TUBRCULOU's children 165 the layers of the skin 169 the Glands in the skin 171 results of tight clothing 181 a comfortable dress for outdoor study in cold weather 183 a tonic. Swimming is the best form of bathing 185 the urinary system 200 the muscle sheet 205 use of muscles in bowling 206 use of muscles in football 207 patella and muscle 207 the human skeleton 211 the spinal column 212 a ball and socket joint 213 a hinge joint 213 lengthwise section of bone 214 cross section of bone 214 the nervous system 218 the position of the body is an index to its health 229 imprint of one arched foot and two flat foot 230 the result of wearing a fashionable shoe 231 callus formed around a fracture 234 a trained body 242 tug of war 245 the giant stride 246 school gardening 248 a wasted chance for public health 249 an obstacle race 250 the high jump 251 adenoids 256 mouth breathers 257 the apparatus of vision 260 a school eye test 263 disinfecting a baby's eyes at birth 265 the apparatus of hearing 267 the vocal cords 272 teeth a question of care 278 a tooth 279 the replacing of the milk teeth 282 a toothbrush drill 284 the winning fight 290 death rate from measles 291 death rate from diphtheria and croup 294 bill of 
Health 298 germs of malaria 301 CULEX 302 Anopheles 302 Oiling a breeding ground of mosquitoes 304 An educational fly poster 310 A breeding place of flies and filth 311 A tourniquet 321 Poison ID 325 A new method of artificial breeding 328 Plates in color diagram of the circulatory System facing 110 diagram showing general plan and position of body machinery facing 198 a handbook of health chapter I running the human automobile the body automobile. If you were to start tomorrow morning on a long distance ride in an automobile, the first thing that you would do would be to find out just how that automobile was built, how often it must have fresh gasoline, how its different speed gears were worked, what its tires were made of, how to mend them, and how to cure engine troubles to attempt to run an automobile, for even a 10-mile ride, with less information than this, would be regarded as foolhardy, yet most of us are willing to set out upon the journey of life in the most complicated, most ingenious, and most delicate machine ever made our body with no more knowledge of its structure than can be gained from gazing in the looking glass, or of its needs, than a preference for filling up its fuel tank three times a day. More knowledge than this is often regarded as both unnecessary and unpleasant. Yet there are few things more important, more vital to our health, our happiness, and our success in life, than to know how to steer and how to road repair our body automobile. This we can learn only from physiology and hygiene. The general plan of the human automobile is simple, complicated as our body automobile looks to be. There are certain things about the plan and general build of it which are plain enough. It has a head end where fuel supplies are taken in and where its lamps and other lookout apparatus are carried, a body in which the fuel is stored and turned into a work or speed, and into which air is drawn to help combustion and to cool the engine pipes. It has a pair of fore wheels the arms and a pair of hind wheels the legs, though these have been reduced to only one spoke each, and swing only about a quarter of the way around and back again when running, instead of round and round. It has a steering gear the brain, just back of the headlights and a system of nerve electric wires connecting all parts of it. It gets warm when it runs, and stops if it is not fed. There is not an unnecessary part, or unreasonable, cog, anywhere in the whole of our bodies. It is true that there are a few little remnants which are not quite so full as they once were, and which sometimes cause trouble. But for the most part, all we have to do is to look long and carefully enough at any organ or part of our bodies to be able to puzzle out just what it is or was intended to do, and why it has the shape and size it has, why the study of physiology is easy. There is one thing that helps to make the study of physiology quite easy, it is that you already know a good deal about your body, because you have had to live with it for a number of years past, and you can hardly have helped becoming somewhat acquainted with it during this time. You have, also, another advantage, which will help you in the study while your ideas of how to take care of your body are rather vague, and some of them wrong, most of them are in the main right, or at least lead you in the right direction, you all know enough to eat when you are hungry and to drink when you are thirsty, even though you don't always know when to stop, or just what to eat, you like sunny days better than cloudy ones, and would much rather breathe fresh air than foul, you like to go wading and swimming when you are hot and dusty, and you don't need to be told to go to sleep when you are tired, you would much rather have sugar than vinegar, sweet milk than sour milk, and you dislike to eat or drink anything that looks dirty or foul, or smells bad, 
These inborn likes and dislikes which we call instincts are the forces which have built up this wonderful body machine of ours in the past and, if properly understood and trained, can be largely trusted to run it in the future. How to follow these instincts intelligently? Where to check them? Where to encourage them? How to keep the proper balance between them? How to live long and be full and happy? This is what the interesting study of physiology and hygiene will teach you. Chapter II Why we had a stomach what keeps us alive the energy in food and fuel. The first question that arises in our mind on looking at an engine or machine of any sort is, what makes it go? If we can succeed in getting an answer to the question, what makes the human automobile go? We shall have the key to half its secrets at once. It is fuel, of course, but what kind of fuel? How does the body take it in how does it burn it? And how does it use the energy or power stored up in it to run the body engine? Man is a bread and butter motor. The fuel of the automobile is gasoline. And the fuel of the man motor we call food. The two kinds of fuel do not taste or smell much alike, but they are alike in that they both have what we call energy, or power, stored up in them, and will, when set fire to, burn, or explode, and give off this power in the shape of heat, or explosions, which will do work. Food and fuel are the result of life. Fuels and foods are also alike in another respect, and that island that, no matter how much they may differ in appearance and form, they are practically all the result of life. This is clear enough as regards our foods, which are usually the seeds, fruits, and leaves of plants, and the flesh of animals. It is also true of the cordwood and logs that we burn in our stoves and fireplaces. But what of coal and gasoline? They are minerals, and they come as we know, out of the depths of the earth, yet they too are the product of life, for the layers of coal, which lie 60, 80, 150 feet below the surface of the earth, are the fossilized remains of great forests and jungles, which were buried millions of years ago, and whose leaves and branches and trunks have been pressed and baked into coal, gasoline comes from coal oil, or petroleum, and is simply the juice which was squeezed out of these layers of trees and ferns while they were being crushed and pressed into coal. How the sun is turned into energy by plants and animals. Where did the flowers and fruits and leaves that we now see, and the trees and ferns that grew millions of years ago, get this power, part of which made them grow and part of which was stored away in their leaves and branches and seeds, from the one place that is the source of all the force and energy and power in this world, the sun. That is why plants will, as you know, flourish and grow strong and green only in the sunlight, and why they will then turn pale in the dark. When the plant grows, it is simply sucking up through the green stuff chlorophyll in its leaves the heat and light of the sun and turning it to its own uses. Then the sunlight, which has been absorbed by plants and built up into their leaves, branches, and fruits, and stored away in them as energy or power, is eaten by animals, and they in turn use it to grow and move about with. Plants can use this sun power only to grow with and to carry out a few very limited movements, such as turning to face the sun day reaching over toward the light, and so on. But animals, taking this power at second hand from plants by eating their leaves or fruits, can use it not merely to grow with, but also to run, to fight, to climb, to cry out, and to carry out all those movements and processes which we call life. Plants, on the other hand, are quite independent of animals for they can take up, or drink, the sun power directly, with the addition of water from the soil sucked up through their roots, and certain salts melted in it, plants can live, as we say, upon non-living foods, 
but animals must take their supply of sun power at second hand by eating the leaves and the fruits and the seeds of plants, or at third hand by eating other animals. All living things, including ourselves, are simply bundles of sunlight, done up in the form of cabbages, cows, and kings, and so it is quite right to say that a healthy, happy child has a sunny disposition. Plants and animals differ in their way of taking food, as plants take in their sun food and their air directly through their leaves, and their drink of salty water through their roots. They need no special opening for the purpose of eating and drinking, like a mouth, or place for storing food, like a stomach. They have mouths and stomachs all over them, in the form of tiny pores on their leaves, and hair-like tubes sticking out from their roots. They can eat with every inch of their growing surface, but animals, that have to take their sun food or nourishment at second hand, in the form of solid pieces of seeds, fruits, or leaves of plants, and must take their drink in gulps, instead of soaking it up all over their surface, must have some sort of intake opening, or mouth, somewhere on the surface, and some sort of pouch, or stomach, inside the body, in which their food can be stored and digested, or melted down, by this means they also get rid of the necessity of staying rooted in one place, to suck up moisture and food from the soil. One of the chief and most striking differences between plants and animals is that animals have mouths and stomachs, while plants have not. The digestive system how the food reaches the stomach, our body, then, has an opening, which we call the mouth, through which our food fuel can be taken in. A straight delivery tube, called the gullet, or esophagus, runs down from the mouth to a bag, or pouch, called the stomach, in which the food is stored until it can be used to give energy to the body. Just as the gasoline is stored in the automobile tank until it can be burned, the mouth opening is furnished with lips to open and close it and assist in picking up our food and in sucking up our drink, and, as much of our food is in solid form, and as the stomach can take care only of fluid and pulpy materials, nature has provided a mill in the mouth in the form of two arches, of semicircles, of teeth, which grind against each other and crush the food into a pulp. Illustration the food root in the digestive system in this diagram the entire alimentary canal is shown enlarged, and the small intestine greatly shortened, in order to show distinctly the course of the food in the process of digestion, in the bottom or floor of the mouth, there has grown up a movable bundle of muscles, called the tongue, which acts as a sort of waiter, handing the food about the mouth, pushing it between the teeth, licking it out of the pouches of the cheeks to bring it back into the teeth mill again, and finally, after it has been reduced to a pulp, gathering it up into a little ball, or bolus, and shooting it back down the throat, through the gullet, into the stomach, the intestines, when the food has been sufficiently melted and partially digested in the stomach, it is pushed on into a long tube called the intestine, or bowel, during its passage through this part of the food tube, it is taken up into the veins, and carried to the heart, from here it is pumped all over the body to feed and nourish the millions of little cells of which the body is built. This bowel tube, or intestine, which, on account of its length, is arranged in coils, finally delivers the undigested remains of the food into a somewhat larger tube called the large intestine, in the lower and back part of the body, where its remaining moisture is sucked out of it, and its solid waste material passed out of the body through the rectum in the form of the feces. The journey down the food tube the flow of saliva and appetite juice. We are now ready to start some food fuel, say a piece of bread, on its journey down our food tube, or alimentary canal. One would naturally suppose that the process of digestion would not begin until the food got well between our teeth, 
but, as a matter of fact, it begins before it enters our lips, or even before it leaves the table, if bread be toasted or freshly baked, the mere smell of it will start our mouths to a watering, nay, even the mere sight of food, as in a pastry cook's window, with the glass between us and it, will start up this preparation for the feast, this flow of saliva in the mouth is of great assistance in moistening the bread while we are chewing it, but it goes farther than this, some of the saliva is swallowed before we begin to eat, and this goes down into the stomach and brings word to the juices there to be ready, for something is coming, as the foe.